0: good news, right? It was over and there was a deal. And then the CRA people stayed on. And we understand with the CRA people that they were really kind of hunkering down over the work from home aspect of this. And it really does set a precedent. There was a lot of things that were being tested with that strike. Let's see what it looks like, has happened with the post-pandemic reality of where we work and how we do it. Joining us is Alexandra Samuel, a digital researcher and a writer. Good afternoon, Alexandra. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It was.
0: It was a test. It was a kind of a, it it was something that drew everybody into this strike. It wasn't just about how they were being affected by things they couldn't get. They saw themselves. And, And this work from home has been one of the most surprising things after the pandemic. It's just really incredible how many how many businesses are a little bit empty these days. Alexandra, first of all, what do you make of what was decided here to study it, I think? I know that's kind of being a broad a broad resolution that happened on the strike, but it's still alive.
1: Well, I think we ended up in a, in a pretty smart middle ground. At least I'm very hopeful that it will turn out to be a smart middle ground, which is, on the one hand, um, we want to see some consistency in how these policies are applied because what i hear in organization after organization and not just in the public sector but also you know in the in the private sector is that there's a lot of um unpredictability in how managers approach hybrid work some organizations issue a top-down edict. A lot of organizations have you know, individual managers deciding how often people need to be in, whether they get to decide their own schedules. Sometimes there's a the perception of favoritism. And then, of course, in lots of organizations, there's a huge number of people who can't work on-site at all. So then that also creates resentment. So I think part of what this decision uh, or, or agreement hopefully does is move away from a sense that um, either everybody has to live within the bounds of this kind of one-size-fits-all edict that the feds brought in in December without a lot of appreciation for nuances in individual departments, but on the other hand, um, not wanting to get into a situation where, you know, it's just up to your manager. And so that that middle ground of um, we're going to have some basic policies in place and we're going to have some transparency around decisions are made, um, I think balances those two sets of consideration.
0: It is. It's really incredible that after the pandemic, when we were all kind of freaked out oh my God, we got to work at home. You had to broadcast from home. Everybody's mm-hmm. setting things up. And people were doing it. And it was all, and we felt like we were in a movie. And now here we are. And some people want to keep part of that movie. There is a sense, I mean, some of the people I'm talking to that. They don't think this is entirely going away. And there was a time I Mm -hmm. sure thought that we'd all be, you know, scrambling back to the office and so happy to leave that behind. Mm -mm.
1: You know, I mean, survey after survey has shown that actually the vast majority of people who have worked from home in the past um, three years want to stay um, working from home. Typically about three days a week. I think most people recognize that there's really some very helpful aspects of coming to the office. It's helpful to have our meetings in person. It's helpful to kind of see what's going on. It's nice to, you know, put on your pants once a week and find out if the waistband still <laughs> does Um <laughs> All of those are excellent reasons <laughs> to go to the office as I learned the hard way. So when I true.
0: Yeah, we all
1: did. We uh, all did. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I think, um, the truth of the matter is that the modern workplace is pretty ill-adapted to the kind of work m- m- many people do now, right? If, if you're in a role that could be done remotely, you are by definition in a knowledge job. You're not in a job that involves using factory equipment. You're not in a job that involves doing customer service face-to-face. And that means that a lot of your work probably involves doing, you know, deep focused tasks that are awfully hard to do when you're getting interrupted every 10 minutes by somebody sticking their head into your cubicle. And so part of the productivity benefits that we saw and part of the um, reason people are so keen to hold on to their remote status is there are certain kinds of work. uh, A lot of the type of work that you do as a knowledge worker, is just really, really hard to do in in a busy office. And when you work from home, you have the flexibility to dive deeper into those tasks. And of course, you also have some more flexibility to accommodate, you know, the dentist appointment, the kid who gets head home from school sick, and, you know, the other things that are just part of life but not really accounted for in the structure of modern work.
0: It is. And, you know, I remember uh, somebody telling me once when they were examining the stress at work, accommodating those things that you just talked about can sometimes make people stay in a job or leave in a job. Now, it used mm-hmm. to be that management a- accommodated people when stuff came up. You know, Their cat's sick and they love their cat. I mean, that's that matters to people. And but now you can kind of handle them on your own if you're a knowledge worker. And that's the key word.
1: Yeah. Well, and this is this is where this stuff gets really tricky is there are incredible inequities in who's getting room to have a life and who isn't. And, you know, we know there's both a a personal benefit to being able to have some flexibility in your work hours and there's also a financial benefit. Right. If you're not commuting to work, you save some money. And, you know, especially if you're lucky enough to have an employer who provides, you know, a good ergonomic desk and a good chair and a good monitor for you at home you can really come out a little bit ahead financially if you're working at home. And so when you have organizations where 40 or 50% of the workforce is in the office by virtue of the nature of their job, they're operating equipment, they're dealing with customers, they have some other reason they have to be on site. And then you have a group of workers who are Um, have been working off site because of, of the pandemic are now reluctant to return to the office, even two or three days a week, that doesn't necessarily go over super well with the people who, you know, were in the office all the way through COVID and maybe got COVID because they didn't have a chance to retreat to home.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, pandemic exposed it. There were people, you know, just who were part of the economic engine driving the the delivery of things all across the country. And they didn't have the same kind of choices here. And here we are. Isn't it ironic that we're back at it? Choices, not everyone has them.
1: <laughs> well, and that's why, um, you know, this, this next few years' worth of collective agreements is, I think, going to be so crucial. And, you know, frankly, even in workplaces that aren't unionized, I think it really behooves all of us, um, managers, executives, but also, like, frontline employees to really think about, you know, what kind of workplace do we want to have? Because when we switched to working remotely during COVID, there was no time to think about, you know, how do we want remote work to, to, to operate? It just happened. And it happened in a really difficult moment. But now we have a little bit of room around this transition to hybrid work. And we can think about these questions like, gosh, you know, 2019, yeah, we were all at the office, but we were pretty stressed out because we didn't have flexibility for our personal lives, because we didn't have time to answer our email during the workday, and we were all spending our evenings handling email then. So how can we make this new workplace? more effective for us as an organization, more sustainable for our employees, more resilient in the face of technological changes that we can see happening already. I mean, we know that AI is going to change the structure of employment in the next few years. Mm -hmm. This is our opportunity to create organizations, workplaces, and, and workplace agreements that reflect the kind of workplaces we want to have, the kind of workplaces we know are going to do the best job at making us competitive as a country. Um, And and we only have a window of maybe a year or so to get it right. Alexandra,
0: you know, I, we all knew that we connected with people at work. God knows I'm still friends with people I work with in some of my first jobs in this industry, Mm -hmm. tight, fast friends. And, but now we're reexamining it and we're seeing when it gets taken away, that it kind of hits us in the face when we come back. Maybe not enough that we want to be there for five days a week, but there is a psychological aspect to this. You know, I look and I think of people who are in their early twenties and they're starting, and I, I, even in this career. And I think, wow, are you going to do what I did? Are you going to meet reporters after work in a strip club? Are you going to? Are you going <laughs> to? You know, all the crazy things that we did together and it made who you who you are. Is there a, is there a younger generation maybe missing out on some of the things that make us good at what we do actually?
1: Well, you know, I appreciate that you, um, Use that example because I, I actually often talk about what it was like for me in my twenties when I was first working remotely, yeah. and I remember going to the to the office worrying about whether I was keeping up with my colleagues in Toronto, and then going to Toronto and my colleagues are all going out to Hooters at lunch, and I thought, God, there you like, go, you yeah. I being in the office is like <laughs> super uncomfortable and not very inclusive way to yeah. work." And I think one of the things that those of us who you know, kind of let's get over our shoulder and think, like, how do these kids think they're going to get up to speed is to remember that the offices we grew up in were often really full of huge structural obstacles that made a lot of us really uncomfortable. And so Absolutely. there's no point in romanticizing the office. And there's also no point in pretending that we're giving these younger people an opportunity to get acculturated anyhow, because most of them are stringing together two or three jobs, because they aren't being paid enough in their primary job to be able to fully commit. So you know, if you want your younger employees to commit to your office, to your culture, make it a culture worth committing to, and give them a paycheck that makes it feasible to show up fully. Um, you know, so I, I think that's part of it. The other part is, you know, frankly, in terms of the the loneliness and the and the conversely, the relationships that can happen in the office. I think there is a we know that there are huge gains when people in in an organization really trust each other in in a, in a meaningful way. It mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. the work it lets them connect. Um, but there's a big difference between trusting your colleagues and needing your colleagues to be your best friends. And I think part of the reason so many of us had social lives that centered on our colleagues is because we were at the office sixty hours a week. Like if you're at the office you got 60, sixty hours mm-hmm. a week, good luck having other friends. Good luck having another life. Once you shift to working part time from home, your office mates and colleagues can be people you trust and value and respect, but they don't need to be the people you have lunch with. They don't need to be the people you go out for a drink with. They don't even need to be the people you use as your sounding board in the course of a workday. Because if you have colleagues who like live in your neighborhood, who you co work with, who can you know double check your spelling for you, or you know t- talk over a problem before you send an email. That may actually be a, a more effective way for you to sustain a sense of social connection than, you know, putting on your big kid clothes and going on an hour long commute every day.
0: Yeah, that's it's so very true as we ex- examine it. We see what was important and what wasn't. And I think you've raised a really good point. There were things about that constant office that could also be toxic as well. Are we going to figure it out, Alexandra? It's kind of exciting, isn't it? I mean, it happened because it had to. We all kind of uh, jumped into a movie, some kind of a sci-fi movie, and now it's real and we're figuring it out. It just seemed like crazy <laughs> stuff years ago.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I um, in 1996, I wanted I was doing a PhD, and I was trying to convince my dissertation committee that I should be able to write a PhD about how the internet was going to change the way we all work together. And they thought I was crazy, and they were right because it actually didn't happen until COVID. But you know, what's exciting um, now is that COVID did kind of flip a switch and give us this opportunity to rethink our working lives, and it's scary. Um, Change is hard, but I think we really need to resist the urge to go back to the way it was out of fear and out of insecurity. And we need to instead open ourselves to this invitation, this really extraordinary invitation to reimagine work. Because, you know, the world, the the rate of technology change, the, the phenomenon of climate change, Um, the pace of economic change, they all call on us to come up with a different way of working, and we have a chance to do that right now.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.